0: But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.
1: G'day, mates. It's B Buster here. So before the episode begins, I would just like to say a huge thank you to CastBox for helping me make the CastBox original, Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71. CastBox is the fastest-growing, highest-rated podcast app on both iOS and Android, and you can find all of your favourite podcasts there. Personally, I think CastBox is the best podcasting platform out there, and I hope you guys check it out, because I think you'll be surprised at just how much variety they have, and how user-friendly their app is. Anyway guys, thanks for listening, and without further ado, let's begin. I'm a search and rescue officer for the U.S. Forest Service, and I have some stories to tell. Part 4, by Search and Rescue Woods. Hey guys, so, things have gotten a little crazy around here, and I'm not sure how often I'll be able to update going forward. I really appreciate all the support you guys have given me, and while I only have a couple of stories to share with you now, I'd still be interested to see what you all think. So... A firefighter who was helping us at the training op told me about a call he'd gone on, supposedly to help rescue a kid from an absolutely massive tree. He said that they didn't give him any details, just that they needed him to come out and help because they lacked the proper equipment. He'd been called out specifically because this thing was so huge that the SARs didn't feel safe to try and climb it. He'd actually been a tree trimmer before joining the VFD so it was easy enough for him to just grab his old equipment and come out and help. He was let out about two miles, and the team stopped at one of the biggest trees in the area and pointed up. He laughed and asked the op-captain how the kid had gotten up there, made some joke about the old cat in a tree thing, but the captain just shook his head and told him to get up there and get the kid down. He said that he knew something was up, but he just didn't push it. He said that as he climbed the tree, he started wondering if they were playing a prank on him or something. There was no way that this kid should have been able to climb this thing. It was massive at the base, but about halfway up, it started tapering and I almost had to turn back a few times because I really didn't think that it was going to hold me. But he said keep going and when he was about at the top, he saw a flash of blue in the branches he said that I saw the kid's shirt uh, sort of caught in a branch and I called out to him and told him to come near me if he could but he just didn't say anything I kept moving calling the kid's name and telling him not to be scared and that I was there to help him but by the time that I got to him I knew that he wasn't going to answer me and I found him or what was left of him cradled in the fork of a branch and the fact that he was up there was just sheer luck If he'd have fallen any other way, he would have come crashing down. It wouldn't have mattered though because this kid was dead long before he even ended up in that tree. I don't know who put him up there or how or why, but it was just really fucking sick. The kid's intestines had popped out of his mouth and were hanging in the branches. It was like some sick fucking Christmas tree, the way that they were draped all over everything. I got a better look and saw that they'd even popped out from, yeah, the back end. His guts were hanging out the bottom of his pants and his eyes were gone and, I assume, shoved out from wherever force caused him to fucking pop like a stress ball. You ever seen a body that's been floating in the water for a long time? How their tongues kind of swell up and stick out? His was just like that. I remember because, well, there were flies crawling all over it. I think I must have gone into shock because, man, I pushed that kid down with a stick I broke off a branch. Just kind of poked him until he fell. I don't know why I did that, but I almost lost my job because of it too. But man, the thought of hauling that kid down over my shoulder the whole way, gathering his guts and coiling them around me like ropes so that they wouldn't get snagged. I just, I couldn't do it. I've seen a lot of dead kids, more than I'd like to admit in fact. I've seen a kid who hid in a full bathtub during a house fire, boiled him alive, turned him into a literal soup. But this, I don't know what did this, but the thought of touching that kid's body made me feel like I was going to lose my mind or something. I heard him hit the ground and I figured everyone would freak out, but they knew that he was dead when they sent me up there. They didn't say anything, but they didn't shout or freak out or anything either. I got to the bottom and I started to get up into the captain's face, asking him who he thought he was, sending me up there when they knew damn well that the kid was dead. But he just told me that it was none of my concern and thanked me for getting the evidence down. I remember that he said that too. I remember it specifically because it was just so weird to hear it phrased that way the evidence like he wasn't even a person anymore like he'd never been a little kid who got lost and had something fucking unspeakable happen to him. The captain had a crew lead me back out of the woods but he and the others stayed behind and I thought that that was weird. Why wouldn't they help me get the kid out right? I tried asking but the guys leading me out just told me that they couldn't discuss an open case. I asked him what he thought had happened to the kid and He got really pensive and thought about it for a bit and he said, I would have said a crash injury based on his guts coming out like that but with those injuries you see massive contusions under the skin and obvious trauma and this wasn't like that. It was almost like the kid got caught in a big vacuum and had his guts sucked out or something but even then there was just no trauma, none at all and it bothers me. It bothers the hell out of me. One of the vets at the training op actually listens to these types of stories and he actually recognised my stories too. He knows me pretty well and we've swapped stories before and he asked if he could share something that he's noticed about the stairs and some thoughts that he had. He said, I'm really glad that you decided to share these. I think it's important that people be aware of what's out there, especially since the Forest Service is doing such a good job at covering it all up. I asked him what he meant, and he said, What do you mean? What do I mean? The lack of any kind of media attention, no coverage of missing kids or bodies found miles from where they got lost in the first place, David Pilates hit this right on the head, the FS is doing everything they can to keep people coming here, even if it isn't safe. I mean, to be fair, it's not like these things happen every day, but the numbers add up, and it's worth looking into, especially the stairs. I was surprised you didn't mention the flipped ones. I didn't know what he was talking about, and I couldn't remember him ever talking about something like that. He seemed somewhat incredulous too. He said, Dude, I can't believe you've been on this long without seeing them. No one's told you about them? I shrugged and asked him to elaborate. He said, Well, there's the normal stairs, the ones that pop up when you're out of ways. I know you know about them, but sometimes I've run across ones that are flipped upside down. I guess it would be like if you had a doll's house and the stairs were a separate piece. Now take that and flip it upside down so the top step is stuck in the dirt and put it out in the woods. They're like that. I don't see them as often, but herod, to say the least makes me think of footage taken after a tornado or something when houses are all blown apart and random things are still standing like chimneys and garden walls. Those ones freak me out more than the normal ones because I can't really write those off as easily. I don't scare very easily like most of us who work out here but that idea it stuck with me and it bothers me. I'm going to try and find out more about them. He also mentioned how many people were bothered by the guy with no face, and he got really excited and told me that he'd seen something similar. He said, I was out on a training exercise a few years ago, and I was camped out in a tent, and I heard someone walking around outside of the camp. We're told not to wander far, which, you know, so I wondered if maybe it was a rookie who'd gotten up to pee and couldn't find his way back or something. Remember that guy in our group a few years back who almost fell off a damn mountain? Well, I'm paranoid about that happening again, so I got up to see what was going on. I went to the edge of the camp, and I called to whoever it was and told them that the camp was this way. But they just kept going back out into the woods, so I went after them. I know it was stupid, but I was half asleep, and I just really didn't want to deal with some idiot getting hurt again. So I followed this thing on a dead straight course for about a mile, I'd say, and then it stopped on the edge of a little river. I could see the outline of it because the water was reflecting the moon and it just looked like uh, an ordinary guy. He had a pack on and it looked like he was facing me and I asked if he was okay, if he needed help and he cocked his head like he didn't understand me. I always have my pocket knife on me and it's got a little thumb light attached to it so I turned that on and lit up his chest so I wouldn't blind him. He was breathing slow and deep so... I wondered if maybe he was sleepwalking. I went closer and asked him again if he was okay and I moved the light up and something just didn't seem right so I stopped. He kept breathing in these really slow deep breaths and I sort of figured out gradually that that was probably what was bothering me. It was like he was pretending to breathe but not actually doing it. His breaths were just too even and deep and all his movements were exaggerated, like his shoulders going up and his chest moving. I told him to identify himself and he made this muffled noise and I moved the light up and I shit you not, this guy, he had no face, just smooth skin and I freaked out and I sort of fumbled my light but I saw him move toward me but he didn't actually move. I don't know how to explain it but One second he was at the edge of the river and the next he was 5 feet from me. I never looked or blinked away too. It was like he moved so fast that my brain couldn't keep up. I tripped and fell on my ass and I could see this line open up on his throat. It stretched up to his ears and his head tilted back and he smiled at me with his throat. There wasn't any blood, just this gaping dark hole and I swear that he smiled at me with this gash in his throat. Well, I got up and I ran as fast as I could back to camp and I couldn't hear him following me, but I felt like he was always right behind me, even though when I looked back I I couldn't see him. I calmed down when I got back to camp and the fire was still going and I guess that pack mentality of being with other people made me stop to breathe a little. I waited by the fire to see if he'd followed me, but I just didn't hear anything else for a few hours, so I went back to bed. I know it sounds weird, but the whole thing was just so surreal that it was almost like I immediately wrote it off as my imagination. So, we were telling ghost stories one night before bed just to scare each other and poke fun at whoever got creeped out. And most of the time, it's the rookies. But one woman told a story that actually managed to get under my skin a little bit, and I knew the same was true for others too. She said it was true, but then again every ghost story told around a campfire is true right somehow though I don't think that she was making it up it had that uh that ring of truth that only really traumatizing events have so she said that when she was a kid she and her friend used to go out into the woods behind her house a lot she lived in northern Maine where there's lots of dense unpopulated national forest she said that the woods up there aren't like they are here and they're so thick in places that the tree blocks out the sun almost completely. She and her friend grew up there so they weren't scared of being out there alone but they did always maintain a sense of caution in certain areas. She said that it was never really talked about but they always knew not to go more than a mile or two beyond their homes. The adults never said why but it was just an unspoken rule that no one ventured out that far. She and her friend made up stories about bears as big as houses that lived out there, and they used to scare each other by hiding and making growling noises while the other searched for them. She said that one summer, there was a series of awful storms that blew down a lot of trees and set one part of the forest a few miles behind her house on fire. Fire crews got it under control, but she said some of them came back not quite the same. It was like they'd been to war or something. You could tell who'd really gotten scared, because... They had the same look on their faces. I think it's called shell shock. My friend and I said that they were walking like dead people. They didn't smile or say anything if you went up to them and most of them just left town as soon as everything was over. I asked my parents about it but they said that they didn't know what I was talking about. Once everyone was told that the woods were safe again my friend and I decided to try and hike out to where the fire had been. We didn't tell our parents where we were going, and it was pretty exciting to think that we were disobeying them like that. We hiked out about two miles or so, and we started seeing burnt trees and stuff. I remember my friend got really upset because we found the skeleton of a deer curled up under a tree, too, and I practically had to drag her away. She wanted to bury it, but I didn't want her touching it because its antlers were weird. I can't remember why, but... I just remember thinking that there was something wrong with them and I didn't want either of us going near it. The farther we went in the more burnt everything got too. Eventually there were no standing trees and it was like being on another planet. Almost nothing green just brown and black everywhere. We were standing there looking at it all and we both heard someone shouting in the distance. I panicked because I thought it was my dad and that He was going to tell me that I was grounded. My friend broke off and we went to hide behind a big rock because she said that she didn't want to be caught out there. Her parents had forbidden her to come out in the woods at all and she lied and told them that we were going to see a movie or something. I followed her and I kept listening and I could hear this voice getting closer and I realised that they were calling for help. I thought maybe it was some hiker who had gotten lost and needed directions back to town. I mean, that used to happen all the time, so I was used to helping people out anyway. I heard him following my voice, so I kept calling out until I saw him running in the distance. He got closer and I could see that his face was all red. I told my friend to give me a pack because she had a first aid kit. She made this noise like she was grossed out and... She asked if I saw his face. I told her to shut up and I jogged up to meet him and... I stopped about halfway and... When he stopped in front of me... I could see that his nose and lips and part of his forehead... They were all just gone. It was like they'd been sliced off or something. And... He was bleeding really bad. And... I saw that the knees of his pants were red too. I took a step back but... I was too scared to move much and he grabbed my shoulders and it felt like I got a shock and he jerked back. He started babbling and I couldn't tell what he was saying except that he kept asking how long he'd been gone. He asked me where his unit was but I just shook my head. He looked me over and he saw my walkman and he screamed. He just kept babbling and touching his face and I realized that he wasn't wearing the right clothing. He had some kind of weird grey cloth jacket and almost formal pants. And the jacket had these weird buttons and red borders on it. I kept shaking my head and I told him that I couldn't really understand what he was saying. I went to open the first aid kit but he just screamed again and said that the only thing I could really understand was don't touch me, you'll make me go back there. And after that, he just ran off and I could hear him screaming the whole time. When I couldn't hear him anymore, I turned around and, and my friend was crying. I just turned around and started walking back toward town too. She asked me over and over what had happened and who that was, but I didn't say anything because I didn't know what to say. When we got home, I told her that I didn't want to play in the woods with her anymore. We're still friends, but we don't talk about that guy. Not ever. G'day, mates. So, I just wanted to take a quick break before the second half of the story to thank all of you guys for listening to Be Scared. If you're a new listener, welcome to The Hive. And if you're a long-time fan, thanks for checking out the podcast. If you could please take a moment to do me a favour to rate and review the show, that would be a huge help. And if you have any stories that you would like to submit for future episodes, you can send them to my email at bish.buster at gmail.com. That's B-I-S-H dot B-U-S-T-A at gmail.com. Thanks again for tuning in. And without further ado, here's the rest of the story. When I started out as a rookie, No one had told me about the job in terms of weird things that could happen, and I'm assuming that this was largely to prevent me from freaking out and abandoning the park. But a few months into my service, when I was still a rookie, a friend and I were drunk at a party, and he opened up a bit. He said, Yeah, it can get a little crazy out there, I guess. I think the worst are the ones where people die when they just shouldn't, you know. Or when we find them dead like 10 minutes after someone says they last saw But They were fine when I passed them on the switchback, I swear. That sort of shit. Like, take this one guy who I found out in spring out on a, a really popular trail. Someone comes into the VC freaking out about some guy who's lying in the middle of the path in this giant pool of blood. So we run out there and we find this guy dead as a doornail. Which he absolutely should be because the back of his head is like a mashed potato. The skull is decimated, brains are leaking out like custard filling, and the guy's old, so you figure, yeah, he probably fell and hit his head or something. Old people fall all the time, right? It's no big deal. Except that this area where he fell, it doesn't have any big rocks. There's not even any stumps or big branches, and on top of that, there's no blood trail, so... Clearly, he died where he dropped. Now, that's when you turn to murder, right? But there were people just out of line of sight with the guy. If someone came up behind him and murdered him, there's just no way that someone wouldn't have heard. And again, even if someone had, there'd be a blood trail spattered all over the place. But everyone on the scene said that it looked exactly like he'd fallen and smashed his head on a rock. So, what the fuck did he hit his head on? And then there was this lady I found in a different park about five years ago, back when I was upstate. We found her in the middle of a stand of big junipers, curled around the trunk like she was hugging it or something. We pick her up to move her and a fucking waterfall comes out of her mouth, splashes all over my shoes. Her clothes are dry and her hair is dry, but the amount of water in her lungs and stomach was phenomenal. It was totally unreal. The coroner's report says that the cause of death was drowning, her lungs were completely full of water, this, even though we're in the middle of the high desert and there isn't a body of water for miles, no puddles, nothing, no signs of anyone else being out there. I mean, yeah, it's possible that they were murdered, but why go out of the way to do it like that? Why not just stab them and be done with them, Right? I don't know, it just sits weird with me, you know? Now of course, that freaked me out a little, but we were wasted and I guess I sort of wrote it off as a fluke. I also assumed that there was exaggeration there since, you know, we were wasted. Now, I don't like talking about this next case very much, it was a, an awful one that I've done my best to forget about, but of course, that's easier said than done. This happened about six months after the conversation with my friend at the bar, and up until that point, I hadn't had a a lot of really weird shit go down. I mean, there were a few things here and there, and of course there were the stairs, but it's amazingly easy to get used to stuff like that when it's treated as if it's normal. This case, though, was a little different. So, a guy with Down syndrome in his 20s went missing after his family lost sight of him on a major park. That was odd in and of itself because this guy never left his mum's side. She was absolutely convinced that he'd been kidnapped and unfortunately a ranger who isn't with the park anymore insinuated that no one was going to kidnap someone, well with that kind of disability. Not very tactful to say the least. We wasted a lot of time trying to calm her down enough to get information about him and then we put out an official missing persons call. Because of the urgency of the situation, him being mostly unable to function alone, we had local police come in and help us. We didn't find him in the first night, which was heartbreaking. None of us wanted to think of him being alone out there, and we assumed that he just kept wandering and was staying ahead of us. We brought out healers the next day, and they spotted him in a little canyon. I helped bring him back up, but man, he was in bad shape. And I think we all knew that he wasn't going to make it. He'd fallen and actually broken his spine and couldn't feel his lower half. He'd also broken both his legs, one at the femur, and he'd lost a lot of blood. He was confused and scared while he was alone, so he'd probably exacerbated the injuries by dragging himself a little ways too. I know it sounds awful, but while I was riding in the copter with him, I asked him why he'd wandered off, because... I just wanted something to tell his mother to let her know that it wasn't her fault because he was fading fast and I didn't think she'd get the chance to ask him herself. He was crying and he said something about the the little sad boy had wanted him to come play and he said the little boy wanted to trade so he could go home. Then he closed his eyes and when he woke up again he was in the canyon. I'm not sure that's exactly what he said but it was what I thought the gist of it was anyway. He kept crying and asking where his mummy was and I held his hand and tried my best to keep him calm. He said it was cold out there and then he just kept saying that it was cold out there and my legs were frozen. It was cold out there and it's cold in me. He was getting even weaker so he eventually stopped talking and he closed his eyes for a while. Then when we were about five minutes away from the hospital he looked right at me with these big tears running down his face and said... Mama won't see me no more, love Mama, wish she was here. And he closed his eyes and he just never woke up. It was horrible and I don't like talking about it because that case was one of the first ones that really rattled me badly. In fact, because of how badly it affected me, I reached out to a senior ranger who ended up helping me through it. As time went on and we got to know each other better, he ended up sharing one of his own stories with me too. It was disturbing but it helped me to know that I wasn't the only one affected by the things going on out here. So he said, I think this must have happened before you got here because I think if it had happened while you were here you would have remembered it. I know it didn't end up in the news for some reason but I think most people who've been here long enough know about it. The park sold off a portion of land to a logging company and It was a really um, controversial thing but it wasn't that large or old of a plot and it was right after the recession so we needed the cash bad. Anyway they were filling this plot of land and we get a call that we need to get our supervisors out right away. I don't know why but they ended up sending me and a few other guys along with the heads. I guess it was a power in numbers type of thing to see what was up. So We got there and all these guys are crowded around a tree that we've just cut down. They're all pissed off and freaking out and the foreman comes over and says that he wants to know what we think we're up to. What the hell do you all think this is? Some kind of sick joke? You've got a lot of fucking nerve pulling this shit. We brought this land fair and square well we don't know what the hell he's talking about so he brings us over to this felled tree and points at it and tells us that when they cut it down it was just like this and they'll be damned if they put it there the inside of the tree was all rotted out and hollow in one spot and when they cut it down it had exposed that chamber and inside it is a hand like a perfectly severed hand and it looks like it's actually fused with inside of the tree Well, now we think that they're pulling a joke, so we tell them that we don't like being fucked with too. And we start to leave, but they tell us that they've already called the cops and that they'll go right to the media if we don't stick around. And well, that gets the head's attention, so they stick around and talk to the police about it. Everyone is denying that they put the hand in there, and besides, how would anyone even have done it? It's clearly a real hand too, but... It's not mummified or skeletal. It's brand new and probably not even a day old or anything. And it's definitely fused within the wood and you can see that it's coming right out of it. The loggers, they insist that they didn't put it in there. Somehow this fresh human hand ended up fused to the inside of this living tree. The cops have them cut up that section of the tree into a movable chunk and then they take the hand away and the area is closed off. There was a pretty big investigation but I know that they didn't find any answers and now it's become this kind of legend and as far as I know we haven't sold any more property for logging. So as you all know too I went to a training seminar recently and heard some amazing and horrible things there but one of the guys I was talking to while I was there told me a story when we were all around the campfire one night. We were both pretty drunk, and you'll see a pattern here, and we were swapping stories. He told me this one. Yeah, so me and some other guy were out in a field search because some campers reported screaming noises at night. So we head out there to look for whatever fucking mountain lion was wandering in the area, and I'm really pissed. We've had three of them show up in the camping areas that year alone, and I'm getting tired as hell of constantly having to deal with them plus I don't like them anyway they're just a, a pain in the ass and loud and they scare the shit out of me if I'm being honest fucking cats they're pieces of shit if you ask me I'm groaning about it to the guy that I'm with and he thinks it's a real fucking riot so we're seeing all these broken branches and what look like dens and we're pretty sure that we know where this thing is I call in and they tell me to confirm if possible Which, you know, just means that they want you to step into a big pile of shit and use that as proof. I'm not seeing any though, so I basically tell them to shove it and I'm done. We know that the damn thing is out here somewhere, even if I'm not stepping in its shit or inside its mouth or whatever. A guy I'm with wanders off to take a piss or whatever and I stay behind watching this little burrow under a tree to see if maybe a fox or something is living under it. Because I actually like foxes. But... Anyway, so I'm watching this tree and I start hearing branches crackling and it's coming from the direction my partner went opposite of. Now, I've got a pistol, but you and I both know that it's not going to do shit against a cat. I cock it and holler for my partner to get his dumb ass back, but he's too far and he can't hear me. I stand up and get my sights on where this thing is approaching and I shit you not, man, I just about piss myself there's this guy coming towards me and he's backflipping through the fucking woods like instead of walking he's doing these crazy fucking backflips and I swear to god that he cleared every fucking log and bush in its path it was like he knew right where he was going I yell at the guy to stop right where he is and that I'm pointing a gun right at him but he just keeps coming and I just kind of lost it I shot at the ground in front of him and it was a dumb fucking thing to do but man, I didn't want this guy anywhere near me. When I fired, he was about 50 yards from me and as soon as the gun goes off, he just whirls around and goes off, backflipping back into the woods. When my partner hears my gun go off and runs back and asks what's up and I tell him that there's this fucking weirdo out here, hopped up on god knows what and we need to get the hell out of the dodge. I let the cops know what happened, and I didn't get in any trouble for firing, but man, I don't know what the hell that guy was on, but I've never seen anything like that before. The shit was just absolutely crazy. I think we agree that there's stuff going on out here in the woods, and while I'm not going to spout off what it could be or offer any theories, what I want people to take away from all of this is that... It is so damn important to be safe when you're out there. I know a lot of you think you're invincible, but the fact is, is that you can die out there, or be hurt, or go missing. It's easier than you'd ever imagine. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Bee Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family, and on social media too. Thanks again for listening guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one.